Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour, where our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Brian J. Henderson. And I'm your co-host, Gregory Turner. Greg. What's up, Brian? Hey, man. How are you feeling today? Hey. <laughs> I, I feel like having fun tonight, man. That's just how I feel. I'm just in a, I'm in a good mood. I'm in a peaceful place right now. I've been that way for the last couple of days, and uh, I'm definitely going to take it to another level tonight. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What about you? You know, Greg, I'm blessed. You know it. You know, as most of our listeners already know, Greg and I coached football uh, for a couple of years, and I'm now taking over the reins as a head coach. And, you know, I'm working with a bunch of kids, um, and, you know, the amazing thing about them, they're a lot younger than I've normally coached. You know, we got about two years different from what I coached last year. And so I'm dealing with a lot of maturity issues and so forth, you know, and I'm trying to get the kids to understand how to play the game and, you know, going through the motions. But there's one particular kid on my team, and, you know, when he first came out to practice, he had on a pair of glasses with his with his helmet. And I was like, son, you're going to wear your glasses underneath your helmet? And I was like, you don't have a pair of goggles? He's like, no. So most of the practice, you know, he was trying to fix his glasses, trying to keep them on. And he was running awkward. He was, you know, kind of running funny. And, you know, I, I would he would make me laugh because I'm like, oh, Lord, not him again. He's messing up again. Well, last night we had a football game. And it was almost like this kid just just completely changed. It's like he was transformed into because he plays cornerback. And it's like he was he started off being this little, you know, goofy kid, couldn't do this, couldn't do that, right? And he just transformed into this shutdown corner who made about 15 tackles in the game and nobody could run to his side. You know, and so it made me think about tonight's show. And, you know, the topic of the show, tonight's show is called Transformation. You know, and it was like, when you think about about how you might have gone through things in your life, and then you finally meet God and He transformed you, you know, that's when people will start noticing the change in you. You know, when He transforms you and He changes you for His good and for His glory, you know, people will immediately be able to say, wow. What a difference a day makes. You ever get that, Greg? You ever you ever meet somebody who's who completely different due to God's grace and His glory? Well, you know, a lot of times you can't see it. You can't see the the change in the person if you really don't know them. A lot of times, what will happen is a person will give you their testimony, and we will say, "No, I can't believe that you went through that. I can't believe that you used to do these things." And what it is, is when God cleans us up, there is no residue. When he cleans us, there's you can't see it. You can't see what that person used to do. So, and that's the beautiful thing about God. He cleans us from the inside out. Mm. And a lot of times what will happen is we're struggling and we're, we're locking ourselves in the house and we're just fighting and we're in this spiritual warfare. God is cleaning us from the inside and when he's done, He'll release you to the world, and once the world sees you, they'll see the outside. They'll see what he's done, and it's a beautiful thing. And I'm so happy that we have our guest on tonight, 
And Brian, I'm telling you, she's gonna bring a mighty word. She's, I mean, she's gonna speak from experience. She's gonna speak from wisdom standpoint. And we're just gonna have a good time. I'm just, I'm just ready to bring her on. Well, let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> Tonight's topic is transformation. We have our best-selling author, Treasure Banks. Miss Banks, are you there? I'm here. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? We're blessed. And, you know, we're so blessed to have you on the show. I was telling uh, I spoke with you earlier. I was telling you that, we, you know, we sent the bulletins out and people saw the bulletins and they were able to see your interview that you did for, I think it was Fox News, and it just blew some people. It just blew them away. And, uh, and what got to me was that a young lady called me and she was just crying and she was saying that your interview touched her in a mighty way. And she said, you know, the things that she's gone through, and I was reading some of her MySpace page and the things she's gone through, that's my life. She's living my life, and and I'm definitely going to follow her. So I just wanted to let the people out there listening know that it's the testimony. It's the testimony that's going to help a lot of other people. And I'm sure we're going to, you know, hear a little bit more tonight from from our, from our special guest, Miss Banks. Miss Banks, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Yes. You know, what would you say to someone that's right now that 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 feels like there is no tomorrow? That what they've gone through in their life, they can't start over. What would you say to them? Well, first of all, you know, <clears throat> I would just, I, and I share with people all the time who you know are, have gone through uh, rough spots. Um, rough circumstances and you know what one person considers to be a rough circumstance or you know, someone else may not. Uh but each person, you know, has their own issues and things that they go through. But, you know, what I always tell people is that, you know, no matter what it is that you've gone through, no matter what difficulties you've had to face or no matter what challenges you come up against you know, there's really no such thing as, you know, there's no tomorrow, there's no hope, um, not when God is in the equation. Because when you put God in the equation, um, the power of Christ has the power and ability to transform your life. But, you know, first we have to submit. We have got to submit to Christ. We've got to submit to the Word of God and, and live our lives in a way that is pleasing to God, you know, when we humble ourselves and get ourselves out of the way, you know, we allow God to come in and to clean us up and to transform our lives. So that's the first step. Um, is I think sometimes, you know, we want we want a quick fix and we want God to just come do it, just take it, just take it from me. But, you know, He's not just going to take it from us. There's some work. There's some stuff that we have to do. You know, our, we have our part. We have our part, and God has his part. So when we humble ourselves and submit to that process of change, because it's hard. It's hard when you've had a certain mindset. It's hard when you've had, you know, been dependent physically and emotionally either on other people on drugs, on alcohol, it's tough. It is hard. But the power of Christ, when we submit ourselves to God and to his word, he can come in and he can transform 
anybody's life, no matter what you've been through. Oh, you know, it's interesting. You talked about the process of change. And what many people don't know is that, you know, the word process means that there are some steps. That's right. You know, tell us, what were some of the, well, first of all, tell us your story. Tell us, you know, about who Tricia Banks was and is now. Well, Tricia Banks, um, Tricia Banks was a girl who grew up, um, I grew up in South Florida, um, lived with my mom. My mom was a single parent for many years. I have two older sisters, and I'm, I'm the youngest. I'm the baby girl of the family. Um, but grew up um, being at a very early age exposed to um sex and sexual things at a very early age that, you know, no little girl should have been exposed to. Um, I was sexually abused at a very young age, um, after which time I became very withdrawn, and most people, if they knew me, they would say, oh, she's shy, she's really shy, which now, looking back on it, I believe that I just became so withdrawn and within myself just due to things that had happened, you know, in my life at a very early age. Um, but, you know, as I, you know, was always a good student, always a good student in school, And but when I got older, you know, I began to experiment uh, with alcohol, Um you know, if it was it was around, so you know, if no adults are around, you'll just take a little bit. You know, some not all kids do that, but um, I did. Um, had relatives who sold marijuana, so I would experiment. I'd sneak a little bit and try it. You know, with another friend. Um, by the time of, and it wasn't at this point not just an everyday thing. We kind of do it here and there. Um, but then, you know, as I became a teenager and began to date, um, I had <clears throat> I had self-esteem issues. And, you know, I'm, I'm saying this now looking back and calling it what it was at the time. I just thought I was being, you know, a teenage girl. But, you know, I, I did have self-esteem issues and never knew my father, um, there was, you know, a void there. So I began to cling to relationships and, you know, relationship after relationship after relationship and became, you know, sexually, uh, very sexually active, sexually promiscuous, you know, as a teenage girl, but at the same time was very withdrawn. So it wasn't like everyone knew um I was very quiet, you know, one is, 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 which is why, you know, those that have, you know, teenage daughters or girls who people think, oh, no, not her. She's just so quiet. Yeah, it might be her. So, you know, just making sure that we're talking and communicating with our, with our girls. Um, but became um, sexually promiscuous, uh, still, you know, a good student and still kind of dibbling and dabbling uh, with alcohol and with with drugs, but um, 
I think that the major turning point was when I left Florida and moved to Atlanta to go to college back in 1992 um, and began, once I got here, I kind of joked with a friend of mine that, you know, when I moved to Atlanta, I was going to work as a stripper, and it was this little joke that we had um, that I was going to do that. Um, not really serious about it, just it was a, a joke. And once I moved here and I was in school, um, I was attending school at uh, Life College, uh, the chiropractic college in Marietta, and so many, I knew a lot of college students, and I knew some girls that danced, and, and they said, oh, you should try, you should try. So, you know, it's one of those things where, I was always experimenting and willing to try things. So it was something that I experimented with and tried. And, you know, in my head it was just something fun to do. Um, so I did. I danced for about a year or so, um, about a year and a half, and um, actually met a guy during that time and got married. We were married. It was very brief. I stopped dancing while we got married, and after about a year and maybe three months, uh, we divorced. He we separated. Um, he actually he he came home one day and said he was packing up and moving out. Uh, he wanted a divorce and was going to marry somebody else, and he left that very night, and I. It was very hard uh, dealing with that, just the way that it happened. And at the time, I was not dancing, but I was so um, distraught, for lack of a better word, over the event that I left my job. I tried to stay. I ended up leaving school because I started back dancing. Um, after uh, my ex-husband moved out. And when I started back dancing the second time is when I began to drink very heavily and I began to um, use drugs uh, heavily. Uh, first, you know, marijuana, it starts out as something light, and then it, it, it escalates. So I was in that lifestyle for another, it was probably another year and a half or so, um, and people who know me now, if, if if they saw pictures of me then, it's hard to even recognize that I'm the same person. Um, was I'm a small frame person anyway, but I probably I know I weigh less than a hundred pounds, very small. Um, my things just quickly spiraled out of control. Um, ended up uh, losing my apartment. It, it it was like when I hit bottom, it was I hit, and I ended up actually having to leave Atlanta and and go to Florida. Uh, the story you'll have to you can go online. It's a long story, um, but you can actually go online and if you go to my website um, www.vwe dash org or even from my MySpace page, there's a link that gives the full story, but to 
kind of put it in a nutshell. Um, after I stopped, I kind of I stopped dancing, and I met another man um, during this time, um, who is now my present husband, and I became pregnant actually before we got married, and left Atlanta before the child was born because we were having some issues with our relationship. Um, but in the end, God worked everything out. A year later, he moved down to Florida, and we got married. Um, the following week that he came, uh, we had our daughter, and his son came to live with us shortly after. Um, we had two other children back-to-back. So we, we're now a family of six. Uh, my husband is, well, we were in Florida for 10 years. We lived there. Um, he became licensed and ordained in Florida. I became a licensed minister while in Florida. Um, we're now back in Atlanta, and my husband is a senior pastor at Change for Life Outreach International. We're in Decatur, Georgia, right off of uh, Candle Road on Ember Drive, and we've been having services for a little over a month now. Um, he's the senior pastor. I'm the executive pastor. I was ordained a couple of weeks ago. Um, the book was written and published actually on Valentine's Day of this year, and I developed a women's ministry called Virtuous Woman Enterprises. It's like God just really sped things up. Um, it's been an amazing journey. It really has been an amazing journey. And I, I really try to encourage people, especially women, that have been in difficult situations and that have had uh, to go through rough times that it, it does not matter, and I say this all the time, it, it does not matter what your past looks like. With God, all things are possible, and, and you can you should never give up hope that he won't do for you what he promised to do for you. It, there is hope and there is power with, with Christ. Yes, that's so true. Well, let me ask you this. When you left all of the, the the stripping and all of this stuff, you left that and you had this man in your life and you were, you were pregnant now. At what point did you start seeking God or were you seeking him while you were in your mess? And, and No, you know what? No, I was not seeking God in the midst of all of that. Um, when after After my separation and divorce, I did what – I won't say what most people do. I'll say what some people do. I tried to avoid, I didn't want to deal with it. I didn't want to deal with the pain. I didn't want to deal with the thought that he left, that he was, I didn't want to deal with the fact that now I'm single, I'm alone. I didn't want to have to deal with all that. So I was drinking and getting high every single day throughout this whole time period, not a day. Not one day went by that I had wasn't drinking, I wasn't smoking marijuana, I didn't snort any cocaine or, or have any crack cocaine every single day. So I was not seeking God. Um, 
I think, you know, at the point that my turnaround came, um, I was, I had a friend, a, a, a girlfriend, and she and I uh, used to run together. And she had become pregnant. So I didn't have anybody to run with anymore. So I was getting high and, and, and drinking, you know, by myself when I wasn't at work. And one evening um, I was by myself and, and went in and, and purchased the, the drug, which was just stupid, you know, me by myself. And But I went and I came back home and I started uh, smoking and drinking. And it was like I was trying to, I didn't want to think because I started to think about, you know, the separation and I'm by myself and I don't have any friends and all this, you know, everything that's wrong, of course, in my life. And so I didn't want to think about it, so I keep going, I keep going. And it was like I just, I could not get to that place that I was trying to get to. And, you know, the Holy Spirit just began to deal with me. And it it was almost like there was a mirror that was held up in front of my face. And for the first time, you know, in a year and a half to two years, you know, just, Everything that I had done, you know, I grew up. I grew up in the church, so it wasn't like I didn't know. You know, I had never had a relationship with God. So, you know, I I had. It was like I was forced, you know, to see me and and what I was doing to myself and my life, and and I just, I just, I, I just broke down. I remember just being on the floor in my living room, just crying, just crying and crying out to God, just, you know, help me, just I can't do this, you know, just, you know, the true repentance, you know, true true repentance is when you have true sorrow about what's going on in your life, not just, oh, Lord, forgive me, Lord, I know I sinned, but that just true repentance where there's a crying out to God, and, and that's what occurred that night, and from that night, I never, uh, I didn't, I stopped, I smoked cigarettes also, I stopped smoking cigarettes, I stopped smoking marijuana, I, no more drugs, it was, it was from that night, from that point forward, and, and that was it, it was, um, you know, some people ask me, well, you know, did you go through treatment? And, for, and, and and there's nothing wrong with treatment, but the way God did it with me, it was in that moment. It was in that moment. And so it was at that point that I began to seek God. It wasn't until that point because during the process I did not um, – so that that point, so and then also at this point, I was casually seeing my current husband. Um, so you know, we went through we went through this time together. You know, we both had our own struggles, and I won't tell his story. He tells me all the time, "You telling my testimony?" <laughs> but um, you know, we went through. You know, I think that's probably one of the reasons. Our marriage is strong. Is so strong. You know, we went through 
this time together. So, you know, there's no no secrets, no skeletons in the closet. You know, we, we went through this time together and, and came out of it together, and, and we've grown uh, together. So, you know, I would say to anyone who's even right now who's listening, and maybe you haven't come to that place of repentance or, or maybe, you know, you're struggling with issues from your past, um, you have to keep putting one foot in front of the other. And like I said earlier, you know, it's a, it, there is a, it's a process of change. I think sometimes people give up or, you know, people get on the road to go on the right way, but then they end up right back where they started or end up worse off because they stumble or they fall and they think, you know, this it, this stuff doesn't work. It's not going to work for me. I may as well go back. But, see, that's just that's a trick of the enemy because it is a process of change. It doesn't happen overnight. And, you know, just because, you know, you repent, uh, don't think that the enemy is not going to be out there, you know, trying to trip you up, trying to mess with your mind about what you went through and all the lies and all the things that he whispers in your ear that, you know, you steal this or you steal that. It's a process of change, and a change is hard no matter what it is, so especially when we're dealing with life-controlling issues. Um, it's a process, and you're going to fall, and you're going to make mistakes, but it's okay. And that's what people need to know. You're going to make mistakes. There's no, there are no perfect people. But when you make a mistake, it's how you handle it. Get up, repent, brush yourself off, and keep going so that that change can continue to occur. Because as long as you stop, there's no change. You've got to keep moving forward. You know what? You, you made some mistakes along the way, and you're a living testimony right now. And I want to say this, even when you were in the middle of destroying yourself with the drugs and the and and the way you were thinking and you know just just basically you were you were bringing you were introducing death to yourself but God wouldn't allow anything to harm you even when you were at your lowest point he would not allow anything to harm you so many times we see people out there that are on drugs and we see them out there on certain things they a lot of times they Bad things happen to them, and a lot of times they don't they don't recover. But you're here, you're you're here, and you're talking to us, and you're telling us about your testimony. Let me ask you this: What do you think would have happened if you would have given up? Oh, you know, had I given up, who know, you know, I would have been left to myself, which was not good. Um, I mean, anything could have happened to me. I mean, you know, I, I could have been, I could have been dead. I could have, you know, had AIDS. I could have uh, be walking up and down the street right now, out of my mind. You know, any anything could have happened. You know, if I had, you know, given up or just said, you know what, this is too hard. I just need to stick with what I know. Um, you know. Anything can happen negatively. I mean, if you give up, then you've given up. Um, and 
there really is no hope because you've you've given up. And that's that's the thing that that you can't allow yourself um, to flow into that mode of thinking. And 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 you know a lot of it is, you know, my husband just finished doing a series on the enemies of the mind. Um, we have so there's a battle, you know, for the mind. There's a battle for the mind, and if you give up in the battle for the mind, you're gonna lose. That's right. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour, and tonight we have author Tricia Banks with us. You know, Ms. Banks, just listening to your story, and I know you haven't told us everything, but just from the point that you've gotten with your story, it sounds like God had to get you all by yourself exactly, in order to work with you, because before he had you, you had a husband, you know, and then you had a divorce. And then you had, you know, your friends around you that you were doing these things with. And then eventually they started falling off and you weren't hanging with them. And then you were at this point where you were just all by yourself. You know, and uh, I just want to make this statement to uh, to all of the listeners out there. You know, when you think you're all alone, that's when God has you all in his hands. You know, and did you feel like, that once you once the Holy Spirit started to speak with you, that everything would be all right, or was it or was it still a struggle to get out of that situation? You know, um, I knew that everything would be. You know, even though I knew that everything would be okay, you know, eventually, it's it was still a struggle because it's not like. Um, you know, you, 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 there's this instant fix. Um, there's still, you've got you to deal with. Um, you, I'll, I'll say me, I then had to deal with everything that I had ignored for over a year. Um, you know, bills, <laughs> for one thing. Um, people that, I had, you know, lied to and ignored and, you know, done wrong to just so I can have my own way. Um, There's a a level of guilt that comes into play over over things you've done and, you know, it's like I can't believe I did that. And there's there's a whole cycle of things that you go through. So, to answer the question, yes, I knew I had this this peace, and I knew that things would be okay. But still, there was a struggle, uh, which is why you know I said earlier that uh, it's a process, and 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 in that process of change, there's going to be these different seasons that you'll have to go through. But you've got to that the thing is, you got to go through it. You can't stop in the middle of. You've got to go through it. And, you know, I know it's not that men don't uh, have to deal with guilt. Um, I deal with and talk with a lot of women, and there's this common denominator with women, which is guilt, guilt about the past, guilt about things they've done. Um, and, And even though, you know, those thoughts come, um, there, once you've repented, uh, 
you have asked God to forgive you, um, there's really is no place for guilt because God has already, you know, forgiven you for what for what you've done. I know a lot of women um, have this guilt. It's like they're carrying the burden that Christ already died for, and we carry, you know, this baggage with us which stops you and prevents you so you can't move forward in your life because you're looking back. And as long as you're looking back at the past, looking back at past mistakes, you know, there's no room for God to to use you in the present and definitely not for the future because you're looking back at the past mistakes. I call the the rearview mirror of past mistakes. And, and, you know, you can never move forward while looking back. And if you, you know, you, if so many people, they say, you know, I know that, you know, God, I believe that God has a plan for me. I believe he has a plan for my life. But I did this or I did that. You know, there's nothing that you can do that causes you to be, you know, of no account where God is concerned. Yes. He can always use you. Yes, he can. No matter who you are or what you've done. Yeah. You know what? A lot. And you're so. You, you're right on point when you say a lot of women deal with guilt issues. There's a lot of women that you know divorce that may be divorced right now, and the man is going on with his life, and for some reason this woman is thinking, "What did I do uh, wrong?" And 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 she's carrying that on uh, to her next relationship, and you know what that'll do. She really can't get in a relationship with the man because that's something that's still on her. And I, I wanted to say this, and I want to bring this up, and we can definitely talk about it. A woman any man can love. I haven't read that yet, but <laughs> does this book uh, is this book centered around your life uh, and to, in, in, a, in a way to help? other women transform into who God has uh, created them to be? The book, I do share in the book different um, stories and things from my life, Um, but the the bulk of the book, the book is based on Proverbs 31, The Virtuous Woman. And what what I've done is I took um, that passage of Scripture uh, verse by verse, and went through and really, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> and applied it, mm-hmm. those principles that are in there that women today can relate to and apply to their lives. So the book, it's based on Proverbs 31, and, you know, although the title is A Woman Any Man Can Love, let me let me make it clear that the book is not a book about how to get a man. It's not about, um, you know, how to turn yourself into this goddess that all men are going to want after you finish reading it. That's not what this book is about. It's about taking the principles, you know, that are in Proverbs 31 and other uh, scriptures throughout uh, the Bible and how to apply these things to your life to transform yourself into um, a woman of God, how to position yourself spiritually so that whatever it is that 
God has in store for you, your position to receive it and then step into the destiny that God has for you because, you know, every woman doesn't want a man. You know, it may be a career. It may be uh, ministry-related. It may be some other thing. So whatever it is that God has in store for you, this book goes through the principles um, in Proverbs 31 to show you, okay, this is how I apply this to my life so that I can be positioned. It, it, the book deals a lot with self-examination because, <laughs> you know, many times as women, you know, we know our neighbor and we know our sister and we know our friend and we, I know what they need to do. And, Ooh, that word was for them. Oh, so-and-so could have heard this or heard that. That was for them. They need to hear that, you know, but we're quick to do that, but not always. It's not always so easy to turn that mirror to yourself and look at yourself. So, I mean, in the very first chapter of the book, the first chapter is titled, Do You See This Woman? Because first you've got to be able to look at yourself and to see yourself, and until you do that, you can't really um, step into um, anything positionally with God until you first, I mean, examine your own life, examine your heart, examine, you know, your mind, your emotions, your your motives for things. You know, once we get us cleared up on the inside, you know, then we can start looking at, you know, moving forward and, and moving up spiritually and, and doing, you know, different things. So we first have to deal with ourselves. So in the very first chapter from the beginning, it's let me do some self-examination here. So the book, excuse me, Mm -hmm. the book, um, it's not about how to get a man. It's how to position yourself before God to be, you know, that woman. um, If if you are married, to be, you know, that wife. Uh, that godly wife, if you have children, to be that godly mother, if you're an employee, you know, because many times we leave the secular out, but, you know, if you're an employee, how to be that employee that your employer honors, you know, we don't always look in that terms, it's just, oh, that's my job, but, you know, if if you're working on that job, then, you know, we have to do it as unto the Lord. So whatever area of your life, whatever it is that you're believing God for, whatever it is that God has spoken over your life, you know, we have to be positioned for it. And a lot of times that deals with humbling ourselves. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour, and we have with us (laughs) Tricia Banks. Ms. Banks, we're going to go to a caller, and we will go to the caller from the 478 Area code caller, are you listening? Hello. Hello, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Do you have a question? Yes, this is um, Mr. Sonia Mosley. Hi, Elder Banks. How are you? Hi, how are you? All right. Um, I just had a comment. Um, I thank God for Elder Banks. Um, I was um, gracious enough to um, grace her presence at her um, ordination service, and it was such an awesome service. Um, looking forward to um, fellowshipping at Change for Life um, Ministry, as I will be making a transition to Decatur. Um, but um, she 
blessed me with her book, and I tell you, it is a must-read for every woman. I believe I read it in about two days. But um, it it is it is a book that you can just apply to every area of your life, and it it as I read it, I mean, it does make you go into self-examination. I mean, it carries Proverbs 31 to a whole different level. I mean, it just really just opens it up with such revelation and such wisdom and knowledge. And um, I just got just a few things that I underlined that just really stood out to me and just really has been charging me since I read the book. And it's um, God has called you to be a mighty force to be reckoned with in his kingdom. The time has come for you to rise and become the virtuous woman that God has called you to be and begin to restore what the enemy has stolen by utilizing your spiritual resources. Um, and I can say that sometimes as a woman, when you, like you say, you carry guilt, a lot of things that, you know, you've been through, and I've just come out of divorce, and sometimes you, you feel like a failure. I don't know why women sometimes feel like, you know, even if they wasn't the real cause of the marriage or contributed to it, they just feel like altogether they failed as a woman. But I just began to just with God pick up the pieces of my life and just, just reading this book the last couple of days and just going back over some of the things that I highlighted. I mean, you know, I'm 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 no longer gonna be the victim but just applying some some things to my life where I see that I can do things different, you know, even if God send me another maid or if he don't, some things that I need to do different and apply to my life as a woman of God and just position myself for what God has in store for me. So I encourage every woman, this is just a must-read book for every woman. I mean, every area of your life, I mean, the word can be applied to. And I just saw myself in some areas that I, too, need, need to come up in and just really believe God and take back some of the things that the enemy has stole from me and just really get in that place that God has for me and go forward. Awesome. 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 Thank you so much for for calling and sharing that, um, Minister Mosley. And I I just, you know, I have been praying for you. Um, Minister Mosley, I I became acquainted with um, through on my space. So I'm so glad you got a copy of the book and that it has been a blessing to you. Thank you. Thank you, Minister Mosley. Thank you for calling in. You know, um Elder Banks, when you when you wrote this book, did it was it something that just came to you overnight or was it something that you've always <laughs> wanted to do? No, actually, um, the 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 ministry that that I started, uh, Virtuous Woman Enterprises, uh, began as a monthly um, newsletter, monthly publication that I mailed out. Uh, started back in 2000 um, to about 30 people, 30 women that I knew at the time. Um, my husband was very active in ministry down in Fort Myers, and we had our four children, three of which were under the age of four. So I was very, uh, I was tied up with them quite a bit, <clears throat> and he was, you know, very busy, you know, with the church. So I wanted, I, I kind of felt like. 
you know, he has this thing, and I don't have anything that I'm doing, you know, ministry-wise. So um, I really felt like, you know, I was a spiritually strong person, but still felt like, you know, I'm kind of, I've got some issues that I'm struggling with. So I began to write. Mm-hmm. I began to write, and then I started to think, okay, well, if I'm kind of having some issues of my own, you know, what about other women who are not, you know, as spiritually strong? Um, what are they going through? So I started writing this monthly newsletter just, you know, to be an encouragement to other women. And it really began to grow, and I got on the series of uh, Proverbs 31. So each month I dealt with a few scriptures. You know, it was just, you know, a couple of pages um, that I would write pertaining to a couple of scriptures uh, each month. And then once I went through the entire passage, um, my husband said to me, he said, you know, you should you could write a book. You know, this is a book. You could put all this together, you know, and do a book. So I thought, yeah, 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 that's a good idea. But, you know, it took, it was several years before I went back to it. But what actually I did is I went back through those articles and built upon them um, and then added some additional of chapters that I wrote that were not part of the newsletters and combined it all uh, for the book. So no, it wasn't wasn't overnight, um, but I took those, I took each article and just expanded upon the articles to make complete chapters and then added in some additional chapters. So many people think, I've got to sit down at a blank computer screen to write a book. You know, if, if if a person wants to write a book, and most people who want to write a book have written material, you know, somewhere. Um, and a lot of times it can be as simple as, you know, looking at what written material do I already have that I could possibly compile and put together, you know, for a book. So it doesn't have to be, you know, starting from scratch. Um, but if you're, of course, gifted that way and can just sit down with blank paper and, and write your book, then go for it. But if you've already got material that is at your disposal, then you can compile it, put it together, and, 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 and write a book. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've had some other authors that, that talked about that, you know, just write a little bit. Every day. <laughs> right, right. You know, I want to go back to um, your ministry. Okay. You know, as I was reading, I was going through your webpage, and you said your webpage address is www.vwe-inc.org. Correct. Uh, at vwe-inc.org. And I saw something that kind of caught my attention. It was Operation Irrigation. Yes, I, what that is, um, there are, I've, actually this whole, my ministry sort of developed by me doing transcripts, typing. Um, I'm a transcriptionist also, and I was transcribing uh, for my former pastor. I would transcribe messages for him, 
And so my very first ministry was um, I, I took those transcripts um, that I had done for him, and there were I was in a hermeneutics uh, Bible class, and the instructor was talking about um, Paul and Silas being in jail and the people in the church uh, praying for them, and I kind of drifted in my thoughts and began to think about you know how you know people are in jail and can't really you know have access to everything we have access to. And I, at the time, knew some people who were incarcerated and began sending uh, transcripts of those messages to people in jail. You know, irrigation is getting getting water to places through artificial means. So um, I began to do that with different people and have done it, you know, over the years off and on for people who were in jail and and needed that inspiration, you know, while they were in jail. So that's what Operation Irrigation is about, um, sending, you know, those transcripts to people who are in jail. And it, it it's so uplifting. I know a lot of times people are in jail and people think, oh, you know, jailhouse Christian. And, but, you know, for what it's worth, whether they get out, you know, if, if that is the case, seed has been planted, and that's what's important, that a seed has been planted. And, you know, I may plant the seed, somebody else may water it. You know, the Bible says God gets the increase. So as long as seed is being planted, that's what's important. Yes, very. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We have another caller, and I'd like to go to them, a caller from the 919 area code. Caller, are you there? Caller from the 919 area code. All right, maybe they're just listening in to this show. But, you know, the reason I wanted to talk about that is because a lot of people don't understand the importance of ministering to our people that are in prison or work camps or, you know, even in the county jail. And, you know, a lot of times... They don't even think about them. You know, you know what I mean. Right. It's like they're not even on their mind. They're like, oh, they're in jail. They, you know, like you said before, the jailhouse Christian. You know, but you know, I think it's such a wonderful ministry because there aren't that many people doing it, and there's not that many people that are actually, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to say that they're afraid to go into a jail, but they don't really want to associate with with folks who have been you know, incarcerated. It's almost like they have a certain type of fear, like, oh, maybe this person been in jail for murder, they might want to kill me, you know. <laughs> or, or if this person's been a thief, oh, you don't want a thief around here, he'll steal anything you put down, you know. And they never understand that if we're going to preach Christ, then Christ has to have a transformation in us so that those people can see it, so that transformation begins in them. Exactly, and you know, you know, and even you know, reading through scripture, you know, Jesus he dealt with the outcast of society, you know, and, and he was, you know, God made flesh. He wasn't uh, afraid to, you know, talk with or be around the prostitutes, you know, the sick, those who were less 
you know, fortunate, and if we are to be like Christ and to follow his example, then, you know, we need to do the same. Um, I think too many times Christians want to save Christians, you know, forget that, you know, we need to save the lost. And in order to save the lost, you've got to be around the lost. There's no other way to do it. So, you know, I I agree with that. Um, You know, we have to love the what's, because society considers to be the unlovable. You know, that's the only way that the world will see and know the love of Christ is through us. Yes, that's so true. I want to ask you, now that you're at, you, you're back in Atlanta and you, you, I'm sure you see a lot of the young girls that are, that are coming into your church now, uh, do you do any mentoring with the girls or, or are you able to just talk with them from time to time and figure out okay, this person is going through this or they're going through that. I've noticed that a lot of, like you said, a lot of girls when they're going through something, they're kind of shy. People think that they just don't want to talk, but they're actually suffering and going through something. Is that something that, because you have the experience, is that something that you want to get into, if not, you know, something that you're already doing? Well, actually, right now, we're we're very young ministry. We just started having services, um, like I said, about a month and a half ago. Um so we don't have um, many young girls uh, in our in our ministry right now, but one thing uh, that is something that I do uh, plan to do uh, now that I'm back in the city that is something that I want to do, and uh, probably at the beginning uh, within the first three months or so of next year there is an outreach effort that I want to begin, um, which will involve actually uh, going to uh, the strip clubs to um, as an outreach effort to uh, kind of stand in the gap for a lot of the girls there. Because, you know, a lot of times people think that dancers, you know, oh, you know, they're just, you know, a bunch of, you know, whores or whatever. and But, you know, there's always, you know, it. there are some who may never leave, you know, that lifestyle or that, you know, they're in it and it's, who, you know, who knows what it's going to take to turn some people around. But there's, there's always those that one, you know, those few that are in there that don't want to be there and are crying out internally. They're looking for a way out but feel trapped. And, you know, all it would take is someone for them to know that they're not alone, that they don't have to, you know, be there and suffer and deal with everything that they're dealing with because they're there. But there's a whole another arm to uh, the the virtuous woman enterprises that um, that I'll launch next year, uh, starting with this particular area, which is um, reaching out to women that work in the strip clubs, because it's it's where I came from, so it's where I want to go back to to uh, reach out to women, you know, who are hurting who are looking for a, a way out but just don't know, like, what do I do? How do I even take the first step? 
um, or just, you know, want somebody to, to listen to, to pray with them, you know, to, to hear them. So, you know, women just need to know you're not alone and, and you don't have to be. You know, there there is another way. Yeah. And if, since I came out of that lifestyle, um, that's where I want to start with my outreach. That's, that's awesome because you have a lot of people that once they leave something, they won't go back to it. You know, they figure a lot of times. I, I, I guess what what happened is when a person is delivered, they they may say, you know what, I've I've gone through that. I'm not going back into that because if I go back into that, I feel like I may want to continue doing what I'm, I struggled with for so many years. So, Chidi, uh, if you had when when you have this opportunity of going through the doors uh, of a strip club and talking with these young women, what would you say to them? We have about three minutes left. What would you say to them? Uh, what I would say to any woman, you know, even not necessarily one in the strip club, but what I would say to any woman, number one, is that you are not alone, that God loves you, that God has a purpose and a plan for your life. Where you are today, where you were yesterday, doesn't dictate where you go from this point. Um, you know, God has a purpose and a plan for our lives. He has an expected end for us. You know, even though you may be in a mess right now, you can't see it, but that doesn't mean it's not there. We have to submit to God and give our lives to Christ and, and live for him. When we surrender to God, then he's able to transform us and he can turn your life around. If he can do it for me, then he can do it for you too. God is no respecter of persons. Yeah. So, Elder Banks, if I want to get in touch with you to talk with you or to have you come speak at their church or to buy your book, how can they get in contact with you? Um, you can reach me um, through email. Uh, my email address is, what you simply put, it's office, O-F-F-I-C-E, at V. W E dash I N C dot O R G, or you can reach me by phone at 239-246-8556. We just thank you so much for coming on the show. And I mean, you know, like Brian said, what our he said what our goal was from the beginning of the show, and that's to be more, do more, and have more. And I think we've definitely achieved that tonight. And like I said to you before when we first started talking, I said, you know what, we're going to have fun. And that's exactly what we did. We had fun. And I'm sure the listeners out there, they were able to write some things down and to, and to apply that to their lives. Like the, the caller that called in, uh, Minister Sonia Brown Mosley, she said some things uh, you know, in your book that will make any woman uh, want to buy it. And I, I just say to everybody, please go to her website and buy this book. And, and I'm going to hush and let Brian finish up. Brian? <laughs> you know, the one thing I got from this whole experience tonight is that you have to be in position. You have to be in position for God to transform you. If you're not in the place where God can work with you, just wait because God's on his way. He's on his way to transform you from what you wanted to be yourself to what he wants you to be. 
So get yourself in position and get ready because God is coming. With that being said, you've been listening to The Abundant Solutions Hour, where our goal has been met to help others be more, do more, and have more. We thank you and good evening. See you on Friday.